The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Kyle Busch won the season opener at Talladega. DeGroot was second. He's the reigning champion. It's the iRacers Download, where reality meets the virtual world of auto racing. Cardwell hoping it stays green. He nearly spins it around. Who's it going to be, Cardwell, Berkeley, or someone else? iRacing's executive director, Dale Earnhardt Jr. I think that NASCAR is starting to see the value and the opportunities that can present themselves working with iRacing. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Justin Prince and Taylor Burris. Welcome to another edition of the iRacers Download from the Speed Sport Podcast Network, presented by My Race Pass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, our producer, Richard Colbreth, as we get ready to dive into some amazing news of the week here in iRacing with eNASCAR competition, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup, the 12 Hours of Sebring. And some new content coming in the month of June. Justin, I got to say, first and foremost, it's been an exciting couple of weeks or a couple of days since we last were here on the podcast. Yeah, a lot seems to have popped up in the past few days. I'm not talking about just with the competitions, but just some of the surprises that have popped up in terms of the content side of things. But also just the intriguingness of a lot of the news coming in, to say the very least, that is leaving a lot of people very optimistic for the next few months. It certainly is. Well, let's get started with, of course, the new content announcement. I'd have to say that's the biggest news right now. But the Liger JS P320, or for those of you who are maybe different, the specific class, the LMP3 class, which we see mostly in IMSA competition and European Le Mans competition, will be making its debut on the iRacing platform in the month of June. Well, when it comes to this car, it's intriguing to me, of course, to be able to bring this car forward. It's important to be able to bring different representation of classes to the iRacing platform. It's important to be able to add that diversity to it. And the LMP3 adds to that in turn, Taylor. It certainly does, Just. I mean, one driver who comes to mind when I think of LMP3 racing is, of course, Michael Gauch, who is a world-renowned LMP3 driver. But he's actually in the medical field, is what he does for a living. And, of course, you know, Sean Creech Motorsports was a very strong team. I mean, you also think of drivers who compete in this category going around the world to compete. And this car is actually utilized for the Michelin Le Mans Cup, which is an opportunity for drivers to go and race in Le Mans. So it's a great opportunity. The Ligier is a great stepping stone for possibly other content to be added in the future. Uh, myself and a couple of other colleagues were talking about how the month of June, you know, of course, is that time where it is Le Mans. And one thing leads to another. There is some issues, I'd have to say, with a certain organization right now to where possibly we could see some very big things coming in the future here with how this series will come out and what certain cars and manufacturers could come into play when the June build. I don't want to touch too upon, much upon the respective company you're talking about yet because, to put it politely right now, there's a lot that I think is going to develop in the next few months based on the financial reports. But in terms of this car in particular, I think absolutely it's going to make things intriguing in terms of the future of the iRacing platform, not just in terms of the classes, but also do they expand the car count per respective races? Do they expand the amount of different types of classes you can run in a respective race in turn, 
there are a couple different questions that come to mind. And keep in mind, there is an intriguing indicator that's been noted by some noticing on social media, noticed in some of the research involving this respective car, that Justin Malone from Traction GG actually picked up on something a week ago. Had the metadata for the article, actually, from the initial tweet announcement from a week ago. Partly because uh, Sean Creech Motorsports said, and I quote, that they worked with iRacing to help them with the audio and data a week before iRacing officially announced it. Mind you, iRacing sponsored their car at Sebring. He certainly did. So it could have been another hint, hint, nudge, nudge of, hey, look what we are bringing here pretty soon to iRacing. And like I said, I'm looking forward to this car. It's a great stepping stone for those who want to be involved with prototype racing. Of course, iRacing releasing the brand new Radical car from last year with the SR10 uh, platform coming on board here. And then, of course, us getting GTP cars. And, of course, for a couple of years, we've had the Dallara LMP2 car. So who's not to say with now Liget coming on board with their LMP3? Who's not to say we can maybe get the updated LMP2 cars on the iRacing platform in the near future? Again, I think it's a matter of when, not if, when it comes to the updated cars you're referring to. It's just the matter more so of when they get scanned or more so when they get finished after scans. So I'm going to be very curious on that. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's more so of when they make the announcement. I have a feeling these cars, such as, we'll go ahead and say, the Porsche 963 and the Cadillac GTP car, have already been confirmed by several reputable drivers that it's been scanned. It's in the works of being added onto the service. It's just a matter of when. And, of course, with the month of June being the month of the 24 hours of Le Mans and plus being the 100th anniversary of the 24 hours of Le Mans, what a perfect time to do that. Yeah, and once more, it's going to be, I think, a major shift back, let's put it that way. If it ends up going the way that it may appear to go, we'll have to see. Again, you can't assume with the way business works and what can happen but there's a lot of indicators that some certain players may may or may not exist soon. Yeah, we will uh, keep, for those of you wondering, we won't really discuss on that company. If you want to hear more, there is other news revenue. We are mostly a iRacing platform. Um, we don't really discuss about other platforms on the sim racing service. Uh, if you want to go check out someone, maybe go check out those over at the SimCast. They really do a great job of covering other forms of sim racing outside of just iRacing, of course, compared to what we do. But on that note, Justin, of course, the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series was having a very fun run over at Richmond Raceway. And the number 18 Interstate Batteries Toyota of Bobby Zelensky and Joe Gibbs Racing returned to the winner's circle after a dominating run. Yeah, a very strong run, to say the very least. Remember, this is a racetrack where we've seen dominating performances of entire laps led. Seen before, uh, seen since that was a couple years ago. Bobby Zelensky did his best to replicate that. Seen three total leaders, including Colin Bowden, who did well in last year's Richmond race, too. Finished all the way back in 36, though, with some of the incidents. Zelensky, 95 laps led in a dominating performance over Michael Connie, Jimmy Mullis, Nick Oniger and Keegan Leahy, a who's who of, who are the veterans in the series, it seems? 
It really is, and it just showcases the amount of talent that these drivers are coming in with these wins. Of course, with drivers such as Stephen Wilson now, of course, Michael Conti, and finally Bobby Zelensky, of course, with their wins, Tucker Minter. Those are the first four drivers guaranteed a spot into the playoffs as well. So it's now going to boil down to who can get those wins as we get closer and closer to the playoffs later on this season. But for right now, Nick Ottinger leads the points championship here by only a couple of points over Conti, Graham Bolin, Michael Cozy Jr. having a strong run for his rookie season. And same thing, of course, with Tucker Minter. I think it's really impressive what Michael Cozy Jr. has done because that was one of the major things that's appeared over the years where Michael Cozy Jr. has gone from major YouTuber in terms of content from the more of the retro side to a shift towards iRacing, then starting running in major events and winning in major events like the Firecracker 400 a few years ago. Of course, the Carnomaly 500 being a name of contention, then being able to align himself with a very much quick technical alliance that had yet to break through with the Coke ranks. Now we're seeing what the Coke ranks can do with that alliance power underneath with Cozy Jr. with some of the air drivers that are in the top 10, like Lopez Jr. that comes to mind, and Tucker Minter in that alliance, for example, technical-wise. And in turn, those respective drivers have done really well. And I think it showcases a lot of the speed for them, but also shows the talent that Michael Cozy Jr. has been able to go from where he had the label being a super speedway ace to showing he can drive very much anywhere and everywhere, and he's been a top-running driver almost every single track this year. He certainly has, and that's what's going to be interesting. I have to say, we say this every year, Justin, but honestly, this is probably one of the most stacked fields in eNASCAR competitions that we've had in a long time to where we could possibly see multiple different winners, and not only that, maybe even some first-time winners besides, of course, your regulars, getting victories this championship season. I agree, because a lot of, some of the, even the top veterans who got shuffled out in the past return back this season, and drivers like Falkingham and Luza, amongst those who were involved in some of the back end of things in the race, amongst those I think you need to see them pick up. But the major thing I was going to say in terms of a lot of the newcomers, you have Cozy Jr. has talked about, Minter's gotten a lot of hype for him. He's had a lot of setup knowledge, and set up hype all the way back since the pandemic, mind you, when he had been working on Happy Hour as part of their program at the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. So he's got East NASCAR experience before even making a run and fully through the NASCAR ranks. Then you throw in drivers like Lopez Jr. that's had some hype over the past few years, and then Parker White that's shown some good speed throughout the ranks over the years. There are a lot of talented young drivers that have made their way to the field, in recent years, it's just a matter of when do they break through in victory lane and where do they try and do it? That is the big question indeed. But you know what? One eNASCAR driver has made some big headways, of course, and that is former series champion Keegan Leahy. Of course, Tyler Reddick giving him a lot of great credit regarding his help for getting the win this past weekend at Circuit of the Americas. And if we just found out, Keegan is now working at... 2311 Racing as one of their sim drivers to help make adjustments to the setup for both Tyler Reddick and Bubba Wallace to get ready for these next coming events. And I gotta say, it just shows the bridging of that gap even more so. I don't think it's a surprise that it's Keegan Leahy in that position with 2311 either, because remember back to around 2020, 
One of the first drivers that worked with the, the real world drivers was Keegan Leahy, along with Zelensky and a few of the others. And one of the names he worked with, Denny Hamlin. Remember, it was actually outspoken where certain tire magic factors came out to play because of those sessions. But besides the point, that just shows again how much Denny Hamlin appreciates, but also recognize the talent of Keegan Leahy in the sim to keep this partnership going to now where he's offering the real world job to be able to work with the rest of the organization from the sim side to be able to help them win on the real world track. And I'll say this, Tyler Reddick with the real world car and the NASCAR Cup Series at Circuit of the Americas, that car just felt like it was on another planet all week and Taylor. It certainly was, and it just showcases how much work we'll see a lot of these drivers and sim teams start to work together more. I'm pretty sure now that when Tyler Reddick mentioned about Keegan Leahy, all these other NASCAR teams who have e-NASCAR drivers, like your Joe Gibbs, like your Front Row Motorsports, Junior Motorsports even, they're going to be looking over at their esports drivers and be like, hey, what can we do to get you to come work for us to help set up our cars? And that's the big thing, I think, about the e-NASCAR racing series. The latter right now is, in some of the cases, they technically already have that infrastructure there. They already have those connections there. You And remember, some teams like Richard Children's Racing have, or at least had, esports hubs on their actual property prior to some of these shiftings of the properties. But in terms of that, the infrastructure's there. And some of the teams, I think, have done that to a capacity. We've seen as well with Storehouse Racing on the design side with Dylan Duvall. The intriguing part's going to be who makes that bridge fully to respective organizations and how many are amongst the current connections they already have been able to build over the years, such as a front row, such as a Joe Gibbs Racing, such as a 2311. It's only going to be a matter of time to tell us what is going to come about of all this excitement. With that, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll discuss more news of the week as well as other exciting things happening on the world of iRacing. You're listening to the iRacers download from the Speed Speed Sport Podcast Studio powered by MyRacePass. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by MyRacePass. Taylor Burris here, along with Justin Prince, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we continue to talk about news in the week of iRacing. Of course, one other series involving eNASCAR, the eNASCAR Qualifying Road to Pro iRacing Series, is a gate ready to kick off as they head to down to Texas Motor Speedway this week. And it's going to be exciting to see who is going to be able to work their way up through into the top 70. Give you a quick update on some of the point standings. Currently, it's Septa Merchant, Michael Frisch, and Logan Helton, your top three at the top of the leaderboard. And then some of your notables inside the top 25. You have, of course, Kenny Brady and Andrew Navarro inside the top 10. Briar LaPrad in 10th. Daniel Budafuco in 11th position. And then other drivers, Jonathan Delaney, 22nd. Moving on forward down the line, we'll see Brad Mahar, 27th position. Drivers like Jake Nichols and Tanner Love, 41st and 43rd. John Gorlinski in the 44th position. Johnny Avela is in the 50th. And then rounding out your top 70 is drivers such as Jared Wishin, who's in that 70s position. Dallas Pataska in 64th. Channing Ballou in 63rd. And then some drivers who are outside that were surprised. Tommy Gossett and Ray Alfala and Christopher Pfeffer, 73rd through 75th. Yeah, this season, 
some drivers in some respective teams I've noticed have described this year's Road to Pro ladder as one of the hardest in years because the SOF, just to be able to be in the top 10 splits, really, is around the 5,000 I rating mark. It's kind of gone up by 500 this year. That is respective cut line of realistically getting in the top 10 of splits to score strong points to run up at the front. But in regards to how things have gone so far, not a surprise with the merchant. He's been strong for years. Not surprised with Helton. He showed strong speed in, the, in a lot of various series. It's just been the matter of the right scenario or the right situations and races. Daniel Eberhardt, same scenario. Agno Phillip, I find that to be an impressive rise. Keep in mind, he is a real-world journalist with Pro Liberca, I believe, where he made his rise through real sim racing, Evan Pasoko's league, and now all of a sudden he's one of the top road pro qualifiers across the entire platform. Certainly is the case, and it showcases the amount of talent that this field has, and it has to show that this is the most competitive esports competition in the world, I'd have to say. Yeah, and it takes a full-year commitment, as we've talked about on the show in the past, and that's a true thing. You need to be able to have a full commitment, but it even goes deeper than that. You need to have the connections to be able to gain the trust to have the full-year commitment behind him in the first place. And that's getting even harder to be able to build up, I've noticed, unless you're winning every single race you start in, or rather, making those connections right from the jump for the past few years. So a lot of these drivers have been able to do that. I'm really surprised though on drivers like Ray Alfala, on them being outside the mark so far. But the big thing is, once you get the drop factored in, can you score top 70? That's the big thing. I've also noticed amongst those just outside the cut line as well, Drivers like Caden Anderson, for example, real-world short track racer for the Northwest, amongst the free agents that have been on the market for the past while last I checked. So a few drivers, too, have been having to deal with a lot of team shuffles to try and overcome already. It certainly is the case here, and I gotta say, Justin, it's gonna be even more interesting how it goes out for the rest of this schedule here. There's only a few races left. Before we go from over several thousand drivers to competing down to 70, of course, we still have at least four more races. Bristol, Dover, Darlington, and Charlotte. And the major thing to consider with those respective racetracks, it's a mixture of short track and mile and a half circuits. Track position going to be critical in all of them. Going to have to start towards the front. Make sure you don't get involved in the incidents of drivers wanting to rush to the front and go from there and... With some of the drivers up in that top 70, there are a lot of drivers I've noticed who we've seen in the past like to charge up to the field as quick as they can. It's going to be the matter, though, of who charges up but keeps it clean, but also who maintains the good starting positions, I think, for the most part, especially with the diversity of who's competing, not just in terms of the former NASCAR drivers or the respective crew members throughout the years, but you have drivers making their way over from other competitions in real world, like Luke Knapp, for example. We've seen Luke Knapp on the service before, Taylor. He's, of course, someone who races in the real world when it comes to the Pro 4 trucks and the Pro 2 trucks. He's amongst those who's made his name in the sim racing world for the past few years in some different ways than others, let's put it that way, in some of the different league scenes. But at the same time, stock car-wise, worked through Monday Night Racing, and now all of a sudden he's top 70 in RPTP points. 
is really is exciting and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out between now and the rest of this championship still a lot to play for a lot of drivers can easily get their way in and a lot of drivers can easily dwindle their way out so it's only a matter of time of course the next round will be in about a couple of weeks time so we'll keep an eye on how that will play out for the championship in other news, of course, the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup continues on with their next round in the world of iRacing, and it's going to be an exciting one. As for the Porsche Tag Heuer Esports Super Cup, they will be heading to the next race here, and I believe it's going to be none other than the Red Bull Ring in Austria. How about that to spend April Fool's Day? That's going to be intriguing, to say the very least, when it comes to how the drivers handle themselves. That track, of course, brings some plenty excitement. It's a rhythm facility, a high, very high speed circuit, I should say. And I'm going to be intrigued once looking at things, how the drivers on the pro side fare things out. I've also just looked at the All-Stars roster as well. Very deep roster of drivers getting themselves ready there, near 20 drivers, in fact. So it's going to be a busy day once again at the Red Bull Ring to see which drivers end up keeping themselves clean and Spielberg and which drivers end up with themselves uh, not so clean in the end. Yeah, of course, you can catch all the racing on both iRacing and Porsche's Twitch and YouTube streaming services. Of course, you'll see more action later still to come on that aspect. And, of course, we look forward to covering it when we come back to the next episode of the iRacers Download. Justin, another big event happened over this past weekend, the virtual 12 Hours of Sebring, and a lot of big names were uh, not having the best of times with respecting the bumps. Yeah, one that came to mind and from viewpoint, just looking at the first responses alone, was Max Verstappen, of course, involved in one of the incidents from the class lead, mind you, and ended up ending the race from then on out, to say the very least, from said damage. So... That was a big swing from the start of the day where everyone was posting about the Supermax Flex, where he was racing with the webcam, with the normal sim rig, right? With the Formula One Championship trophy right over his shoulder to not even finishing. Yeah, and then, of course, that was also teaming up with his co-driver, Alex Pillow, IndyCar driver as well. So not the best run where even Alex couldn't get a single lap in. Yeah, and just looking in turn at how some of the respective class drivers sorted themselves out on Racebot TV with the broadcast powered by VCO as part of the VCO Grand Slam. Toronto Esports, we mentioned this team a lot in GTP, for example, Taylor, over the past few months as a team on the rise and a team to watch for. They finally have broken through for a major series victory, and they did it with after the trouble we mentioned by 41 seconds, or BMW M Team Redlines, Chris Loham behind the wheel with the checkered flag. So it's an absolute big boondoggle if you're Yorano because of we've talked about how much that team had shown flashes for years. It's just been the matter of finding the luck, especially in the cars they've run. Getting a GTP win like they did is a big turning point for them. It certainly is, and of course, the next iRacing special event is a throwback event to the Road America 500, utilizing the Audi 90 GTO and the Nissan GTP car, so another opportunity to utilize Grand Touring prototypes, so this is one that I've been looking forward to. The community always hosted a special event like this, especially those who 
are fans of the Camel GT series, but for the first time, we actually have a official special event dedicated to this class of cars. And I gotta say, I hope this class this brings in to where we could see more growth in this series with the Camel GT. It's a fun car class. I mean, the when I first saw this, this is what made me fall in love more to the history of IMSA sports car racing to where I hope one day we get the chance to see some more classic GTP and GTO cars added onto the iRacing service. I think this is their way of putting a spotlight on a very strong, tight-knit community in the first place because since this car class released about three, four years ago at least, it's been a series that has gotten weekly broadcast through GSRC, has had various different talents, respectively, significantly, and specifically race this type of car in their own specific championships, mind you, as respective units, along with what we've seen in the Lotus 79s on the service and the official side. And as well, it's this type of car class where a lot of the talent already helps each other out, make sure that everyone who wants to learn about these cars can learn about said cars through the iRacing Forum. So it's a very strong community in the first place. It's a very strong type of racing in the first marks. And I think it's a great thing that iRacing in turn is bringing a lot more attention on the special event side to this series to try and bring more eyeballs to a car class that, in my opinion, should have a lot more attention to it since it produces some of the best racing on the platform. I will say I had the privilege of racing in a couple of top split events in GRSRC broadcasts with these cars. And in fact, it's funny, my first ever broadcast in esports mm-hmm. was utilizing the Camel GT cars. Okay, so it's always kind of a special place in my heart. So we'll see what happens of it. And you know what, Justin, what we might need to do the week of this special event, get some of the drivers as well as maybe Joe on the show to talk about how the importance of growth for the historic racing platform has grown on the iRacing platform. I think it's going to be an intriguing conversation if we get to that mark too, because keep in mind in respect to that sign, there's been a lot of talent that's risen up through the rankings there. And the thing is it requires that unique driving mindset to be able to be able to handle these respective circuits. And because of how tight knit the whole community is, I think that's a major strength in turn on how things have gone. In fact, the community has gone into the depth where there are legitimate websites and discord servers already behind the wheel of this type of car class with the special event, of course, now putting the spotlight on it. We're just having the website alone just to be able to organize. What time do you want to race? Well, if you want to race opponents, we have 53 confirmed for this time. 38 confirmed to race every Friday. Sometimes we have 28 on the midweeks, weeks on the Thursdays. You know, it helps make sure that everybody meets at a time where they can race against the best of the best. It really is a great opportunity, and we look forward to that event happening later on in the month of April. And like we said, we'll try to get something set up for that event to come. Well, Justin, that we will take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we will have a special guest joining us. It will be the winner from the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. Bobby Zelensky joins us on the download. Welcome back to the iRacers download from the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my Race Pass. I'm Justin Prince, along with Taylor Burris, our producer Richard Colbreth, as we turn things back over towards the eNASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series. As Taylor alluded to before the break, Bobby Zelensky 
came away with the victory. Leading the most laps at Richmond Raceway as part of the short track action. Bobby Zelensky now joins us from Joe Gibbs Racing. It's eSports affiliate. Bobby, you picked up the most laps out of the race. It seemed to be an intriguing one at times, though, with Richmond. First of all, how would you describe that win at Richmond Raceway for this year? This is a little rough at a couple of points, but that was exactly what I was hoping for out of the race for myself. Uh, you know, there was, there was people complaining about cautions and stuff, but it was, I mean, it was only six cautions. We've had uh, much worse races at Richmond uh, in the recent past. So uh, for me, though, it was just kind of a perfect day, um, starting on pole, leading laps, and, and just finally closing the deal on a, uh, on a good race. Gonna say, seems strategy was a big part of things up in front as well. Amongst some of those cautions too, how would you describe that factor in? Since on top of yourself leading the 95, see Nick Oniger lead some laps, but Colin Bowden also on a strategy led some laps before losing the lead as well. Yeah, it, it, it could have been a little sketchy because of tire sets. That was really the only strategy I would say. Um, but because the cautions kept coming out spaced apart kind of equally and then we went to single file, I think once we went to single file, it was like strategies out the window. I think it was clearly if you're in the top 10 to 15, like you stay out, like there's no point to, to pit because that's just too much like space to make up if it's single file um but yeah they, it could have been it could have been bad for me if uh when those guys stayed out we went i don't know 30 laps that they have a tire advantage on us but uh for me it was the lead's the best place to be and you can kind of control from there now that's an intriguing part because you rarely if ever see at least at that level on iRacing see a mandated single file restart what was kind of the reaction to that shifting to single file as you just described yeah i don't i don't think most of us like it for me i was just like eh, whatever they want to do i'm gonna i'm gonna go and still try to win this race it doesn't really matter um because like at first i was like i don't know if i like it because if it's single file restart we and generally we do get more green flag green flag laps because of it uh like it could go a little wrong for me if because you know one last set of tires and some people will stay out. And then when you get people staying out and taking two, you just get all jumbled up and you lose control of the race. So I, uh, that's what I was thinking about with the, the single file from double file. But I think most people just don't like seeing single file because it kind of gives you less opportunity. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't really love changing the singles, but uh, you know, from the lead, I guess it doesn't impact you too much. You still control the restart. Now, shifting to the season in focus so far, that victory, of course, huge for the postseason run. Six curling in the standings in total. But your first top five slash the win coming at Richmond, as well as previous top ten on the schedule. You've led a lot of laps, though, amongst all of that. How would you describe that ups and downs where you've led a lot, but just two times so far in the early going inside the top ten, including last time out of Richmond? Yeah, not really... Worried at all. I think going into the season, I looked at the first six races and I said, okay, three of them are like normal races and three of them are super speedway plate type races. And those plate type races, you don't got that much control. I think, you know, like there's definitely some skill involved. Um, but for me, yeah, I just kind of made maybe some bad decisions and got a little unlucky at Daytona and Atlanta when I felt like I could have easily contended for the win. And then Milwaukee just didn't qualify too well. Because um, Milwaukee and Richmond, 
uh, in particular, um, I was really looking forward to kind of continuing momentum from Phoenix being super fast there and taking one of those races. And I'm just, yeah, stoked I was able to get the Richmond one because I, I came into the season really, really confident. Um, but after Daytona and Atlanta, those races having mediocre finishes, I kind of just didn't care. I was like, whatever. You have to kind of go for the win of these races, finish mid-pack. I'll worry about these races where I have a bit more control of my destiny. So in terms of preparing for a season like this, it's, keep in mind, we talked a bit about this during the preseason before the season got underway. Some different unique tracks on the schedule, not just the Milwaukee Mile, you mentioned second race, but of course the next one at Monza. Curious on the take on going to Italy in the Coke Series and not in the Porsche Tegra Esports Super Cup for a road course race. Yeah, uh, it's pretty much a six-corner track. Um, maybe seven, I guess. But, uh, you know, really half of the track, I know, the, the first half of the track kind of don't because the, the turn one, which is just the long right-hander, um, normally after the first chicane is like full throttle easy, but in, the, in this, it's not full throttle. You have to lift, you have to break a bit. Um, it's a corner. So you have that corner now, then you have the really tight turn two through the second chicane that's missing. Which leads you into a big breaking zone in the first Lesmo, which is just kind of feels like a completely different corner. So, with that, I know half the track really well, and I have to learn that first half. But because it is so limited on corners, I, I, the field is going to be really, really close, and I don't think it's going to be much. You'll, you'll see guys that have never really been great on road. Probably one of them will surprise you and be up front, maybe a pole. I think it's just it's such a simple road course that. The field will be so close that it's just about who makes the least amount of mistakes at the top half of the field for qualifying. I'm not sure if I'm misinterpreting that answer, but do you think there may be that one person you think it may be? Or am I misinterpreting that? No, I, I, I just think it could be anybody from like, that's just never been great on road or mediocre on road. It could be anybody, right? Because it's going to be so close. I, I couldn't pinpoint a single guy, but um, like... You know, I could put in what I think is a really good lap, and they could hit their perfect lap, and they get pole. Say I get second, for example, it's going to be really, really hard to pass at this track. There's really like one place to pass because you're you're going to make no move through turn two and three. You're going to wreck. Like it's just you can barely get through there by yourself. So, um, I mean, I'm sure people will figure out passing zones in like the middle of the pack when everything's stacked up. But for the lead, I think it'll be really difficult to to pass. So. Yeah, I mean, kind of like goals. Qualifying means a lot right now. We've seen that a ton throughout the past few years, actually, with the track position, especially with some of the shorter distance seen at the Coke Series in the past year or so. But as well, when it comes to the team side of things, it's been intriguing from the team perspective because you've done very well, as to be expected. But then you have on the other end of the spectrum the 54 car for Joe Gibbs and Daniel Falkingham. First of all, how close are you two? And second, depending on how close you are, what have those discussions like amongst each other, seeing you towards the top of the standings and Falkingham just about in 39th place? Yeah, I've been Falkingham for a few years now, and uh, he's still learning. He's a rookie, rookie, rookie in the series right now, and he's also been unlucky with a hey, connection to share Richmond, and I think some kind of other share in Milwaukee as well, which... You know, like, those are the two tracks where you can really make a difference as a driver in these first four. He had, like, just unfortunate issues. 
even when he came back from being like a lap down in those races, he got wrecked. And then at Daytona and Atlanta, you know, it's just a little bit of a lottery, and he just didn't get the, the good end of that. I think like you just gotta. He just got to stay calm and just keep working and working and working and learning and, and just learn from all this kind of misfortune he's having. Um, because, yeah, he, he's hopefully getting the worst out of the way now because he has a good group to work with uh, at Norse Force. Um, so, like, I'm confident he'll have cars capable of contending. He just, um, you know, just hopefully this is just the beginning of the year is bad and then he finishes... These next 14 races is pretty good. We can make a run at the team title. I going to say, speaking of the team side as well, on the technical line side, it's very well known. You work with Keegan Leahy and have throughout the past few years. Plus, Joe Gibbs Racing and his real-world connections has some connections with 2311 Racing, of course, with Denny Hamlin. We're seeing major strides in turn with the real world to the sim world, he, where it was revealed that Keegan Leahy is the sim driver for one of the sim drivers for 2311 now. Of course, Tyler Reddick's car picked a car up on rails. Kind of take us through that side of the reaction period, seeing not just accreditation from that from one of your fellow drivers on the technical line side, but also technically on the real-world team side-wise with the connections Joe Gibbs and 2311 have in the real world. Yeah, we're all, it's really, it's really cool for Keegan to, to have this opportunity um, to do that alongside recent series. And I know it's something he's really motivated for because it's just a whole new challenge. And uh, I know there's a lot that goes into to his new role uh, for 2311. It's it's not simple and um, it's very difficult. He's very qualified for it. Um, you know, not going to speak totally on his behalf, but I know that uh, it's a lot more. You know, it's not as easy as just being an eye racer. Like there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, a lot of other stuff he's qualified for. So. Um, I, it'd be cool to get opportunities like that myself at some point. Uh, but I think for now, Keegan is uh, one of the anomalies. Uh, and hopefully, yeah, it does open the door. But um, yeah, for now, I'm just happy to see Keegan and be involved with 2311, I guess, in a way with Toyota and the whole Gibbs thing. But, um, you know, that's, I guess, the most of it, what I know with Keegan. I was about to say... Taylor and I discussed this earlier on in the show, the potential of the opportunities to open up doors like that. What steps need to be taken, in your opinion, to open up more doors for not just someone like Keegan Leahy to move through, but others to join that perspective? I guess that's more of a Keegan question, because he knows a lot more, obviously, about, like, you know, what exactly he's doing there. But, um, like I said, like, he has... Degrees he's earned from college and other stuff that's just it's just more than a sim driver, I think. Um, mm. it's, it's a proper member of the team. and um, I, We've seen this in the past. I believe John Gorlinski worked with the NASCAR team. And like he, again, wasn't just hired because he's a sim racer. He's because he had an engineering degree or something like that. Um, I'm just totally guessing. But he had something, Gorlinski, that um, made him qualified to work there. Um, so, like, in terms of sim racers, I think, like, you got to be more than just a sim driver. Um, probably, you probably got to have some, some other, you know, attributes you picked up along the years that you can bring to a big organization like that. Because, um, yeah, it's not as simple as just, oh, I'm really fast on iRacing, so I deserve a sim ride. Like, you got you to gotta have a lot of tools, I imagine, to, uh, to be able to, to work with a team like that. That's actually a really great point to bring up on the education side, since... It's even been talked about the sim side, how valuable 
some of that can be. And some of the virtual virtual school programs seen have utilized some of that for their sim team programs. Now, on that note, what else should we keep an eye on for you coming up here? We mentioned Monza. Of course, Pesca is currently underway as well with a lot of their competition as well. What's kind of the focal point now since it's kind of about a week and a half break, a little bit of the first staggered break, so to speak, in a while for the Coke Series, a little bit tinier of a break compared to some of the others in the past. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm, I'm very busy um, because we got, we got Pesk, you know, four days after I win Richmond and then another Pesk race exactly one week after and then three days after that I have Monza. So I'm very, very busy. Of course, NASCAR takes my by far the majority of my attention, um, but I'm, I'm looking to have a little stretch here in, the, in this kind of two-week period uh, with two NASCAR races, two past races, uh, and uh, just continue the momentum. Like I'm, I'm, I felt, you know, I lost the title last year due to kind of like lost my lead on pit road, and I was just kind of stuck in the stuck in a little restart battle and just didn't come out on top of that. But like the way I performed that whole event gave me a ton of confidence and um i think richmond kind of showed that off a bit and i'm kind of bringing that into pass too and now that i got this win i'm just like i got no weight on my shoulders i'm just going out there trying to win um yeah hopefully i can perform a bit better in pass i got a couple top tens at long beach and i think i've been it's probably the best for sure best i've been in, in porsche so like pretty happy about that and, and just trying to enjoy that series Certainly not as much pressure in that series as I do have on myself for uh, NASCAR. So uh, I'm going to try to get more wins in NASCAR for sure this year. I mean, a lot of that are your control in NASCAR racing, but I feel confident I can at least get another win this year. Let's quickly touch on the pest guide. 17th currently in the points, by the way. You mentioned the Long Beach run. That is what's the top 10s to your credit. In fact, the only on the credit currently, but on top of that as well, the poll. So... As a curiosity, when it comes to the Red Bull ring, expectations as a driver for a track like that, knowing it's not as many corners compared to some of the others, you can, it's a very flowing track, but also one where there's a few of the passing opportunities. How would you describe it? Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. I think it's, it's, it's good for me because I couldn't start, you know, practicing really for it until after I did Richmond. Um, so it's like three days available to practice for it uh it is one of the more simple tracks it's a track i know pretty well um it's all it's always about qualifying and past like i, I qualify midfield sometimes in the very back when i mess up my q lap and i can make my way through the field just fine this wrecks and stuff but like you really want to be a contender in the top 10 you gotta qualify up there uh qualifying at the red bull ring it's frustrating because there's so many easy places to get an off track um and Turn one can make or break your lap, honestly, because there's such a difficult corner on the track so quick um, that, like, just want to get that Q lap in and just get a clean Q lap in. I think you'll see, like, seven, eight cars just not set a Q time because you're going so fast there. And you're right on the limit and just a little tiny mistake or car bottoms out a little bit. Like, you just go wide a few inches and you get an off track. So um, I love it. Because it's drafting, and I feel like whenever we have these draft tracks, like Red Bull Ring, or next week is Watkins Classic, um, it favors someone like me who does NASCAR. Yeah, and that's without even touching upon the Walker, or rather Watkins Glen part of it, because normally you see it with the bus stop, even when you go to the boot, but 
Not usually in the pro side do you see the classic layout, per se. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's going to be awesome. I, I did it in Contender, and I got fourth in the main, and, like, didn't... That was the day I had, like, an hour of practice for, um, because of all the NASCAR stuff going on then. So, um, like, it doesn't take a ton of prep because it's similar to a Super Speedway NASCAR, where, like, you got to put the prep in, do your... Make it up the best you can, make qualifying race up as best you can, and hit all your marks because there's a few corners you got to hit. But when it comes to race time, it's about your race craft. Like, it really doesn't matter um, as long as you are hitting your apexes, you're fine because the draft carries you the rest of the way. Um, and when you're first, you're defending every single corner because the guard behind you has a big draft. So um, a lot of the guys in the series, like traditional guys, don't like it, but I love it. So. On that note, where can fans keep an eye on you or follow along with yourself on social media or on various other platforms the next few races? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a Twitch yet, but Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, this is Bobby Zielinski, my name, and you can find me there and keep up with it. And the keyword being yet there, I heard? I've been saying yet on a Twitch for like three years. Eventually, I'll get around to it. <laughs> Eventually, indeed. Bobby Zielinski, though? Finding his way to victory lane at Richmond Raceway in the NASCAR Coca-Cola iRacing Series at Richmond once more. On that note, it's time to say goodbye. For Taylor Burris and Richard Colbreth, I'm Justin Prince saying so long. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening. You've been listening to the iRacers Download, the Speedsport Podcast Studio, powered by my Race Pass. <laughs>